Hello, my rock climbing friend. How are you? It's me, Ryan, checking in with you even before the show has started, before that drum beat has kicked in. I don't think I've ever done this before, but you know what? It's the end of the year, and I'm just reflecting for a second here in my very cold podcast slash utility closet, my snoring dog next to me. And I just wanted to thank you for listening to this show. I'm hustling pretty hard on it. It has grown so much this year. The patron community, the listening community, uh, YouTube, all of it has just like, it's blowing my mind. And that's because of you, because you're listening. So thank you so, so much for putting me in your ears while you're in your car or exercising or doing the dishes or pretending to work. Maybe you're pretending to work right now and quiet quitting. I approve. So yes, thank you so much. And I also just had one little uh, end of year request, if I could, of you. And that's if you could just take a minute to rate and review the show or just rate the show if you don't want to write words because words take time. If you listen on Apple or on Spotify or whatever, it only takes a second. You just hit like five stars or 70 stars or whatever the metric is that that they use. And I ask this not just because it makes me feel good when I'm, you know, feeling down and I want to scroll through and read good things about myself, but but more so because podcasts in general don't do a great job of finding an audience. Like on YouTube, you'll get like videos that YouTube thinks you're going to like, but podcasts don't really work that way. So ratings and reviews really do help. If somebody's going to check out a new show, they're going to see what people think of it. So if you like this show, and if it's brought you some happiness or maybe helped you with your training or your climbing, if you could say that, and if you could rate it as such, uh, it would really make a big difference. It could really help the show to find even more people in the new year, which is great because that keeps my sponsors happy. And that's how I pay some bills these days. Uh, but also it just builds the community and struggle is all about community. We're all struggling together here. And your support with that, with a quick like rating and review would be really helpful. So maybe just take a second, like pause this right here and go do that and feel awesome about it because it really does make a difference for me and all the work that I'm doing here. So thank you. Okay, now unpause. We'll get the show started. Have an awesome, awesome holiday and a happy new year. I'm just really glad I didn't listen to all that bad advice I got in the beginning. Like, I am more explosive, I'm more powerful, I need to climb faster, I need to take advantage of that power that I naturally have. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to The Struggle Climbing Show, where I talk with elite climbers about their struggles and breakthroughs in training, nutrition, tactics, and mental game, and also what they're passionate about outside of their own climbing. Now today we're mixing it up a little bit here. We're offering a little bonus episode to y'all where last week's guest, the world-famous Magnus Mitbo, is returning alongside his business partner, Till Gross, to explore the concept of how we as climbers can improve at this sport and this craft that we all love so much. Now, Magnus and Till are developing a pretty ambitious and impressive online coaching platform right now that includes some of the biggest names in the sport. I'm talking about Adam Andra, Alex Magos, Hazel Finley, Dave McLeod, and Daniel Woods, just to name a few. And in developing these courses that they're working on right now, Magnus and Till are learning how climbers can best absorb new information and apply it to our training and our climbing something that can help us all to level up, hopefully, whether we work with a coach in person, scrape YouTube for the latest training advice, or enroll in Adam Andra's course that he's building with Magnus and Till. And we also touch on other topics today, including the one thing that Magnus learned when he was a newer climber that totally changed the game for him, 
what Magnus's big climbing goal is these days, and I love this, the YouTube video idea that ended up being just too sketchy for Magnus to go through with. Hint, it involves cheese. Bet you didn't see that coming. Quick little update here from my climbing life for those who are interested, and if you're not, just skip forward. But I'm continuing to inch my way towards the chains of my Praj, and I really do mean inch, you guys. I'm only a couple moves here from sending this route, but to be fair, they are some hard moves. It's not the hardest moves on the route, but the pump is so bad up there that the V2, you know, three or four moves to the chains kind of feel like V5 or V10 to me right now. But I'm psyched. I'm psyched that I'm getting to the last bolt and able to rest a little bit now, which I didn't think I would be able to do. Like, even just a few weeks ago, I was like, God, that's not going to be possible to rest there. And so, yeah, it's really, you know, it's kind of coming together now. I don't know if you feel this way when you're projecting as well. I'm, I'm pretty new to projecting, to be perfectly honest. So it's, it's still wild to me how seemingly impossible things feel, like at the beginning. And then just after putting a little time, a little effort, just consistently getting out there, it just starts to like unlock, you know, it's like, a, like when you get like a big knot in your rope and all of a sudden you're kind of pulling here and there and, and then it just like starts to come together or apart or whatever the analogy is that I'm going for. But now it is all about the run to the chains. I'm only a few moves away and that is a sequence that I need to do very, very quickly or I will just pump off those little one pad pockets. So there is definitely zero time for me in that last little punch to chalk up. I have to just go right when I pull into that final sequence. And the good news is that I don't need to chalk up, you guys, because I've been using Magdust by Rungni, and I am super happy with how it's performing. It's been keeping my fingers dry between those long sequences on the route, which can be the difference as I'm trying to just save a little bit of energy every step of the way so that I can make it to the top. Magdust is on a bunch of the best of lists of chalks out there. Loads of pros are using it, and it's also super affordable. You can score a bundle to keep your bag full for an entire season, and it's not going to break the bank. Plus, right now, you can hit that link in your show notes for a chance to win a year supply of Magdust, plus some other cool discounts and prizes over there. It's all over at rungni.com. Hit that link so they know I sent you, and thanks for checking it out. And the official climbing nutrition sponsor of the struggle is Fizzy Vantage, which is just the absolute best in the biz when it comes to sports-specific nutrition for us climbers. You guys, I have been able to train harder and recover faster than ever before, and I credit my favorite Fizzy Vantage products for helping me in that department. I've been a paying customer for years now. I love their supercharged collagen. I take it every day before I train my fingers or I climb. I love Sendurex, which contains all natural ingredients that have been shown to boost power endurance stamina and recovery between repeated efforts so whether i'm training hard at the gym or out on the project yeah i want that faster recovery and i want to boost my power endurance i really do need that right now on the project and right now with the holidays and training and climbing all these things hitting at once i'm really relying on crush which provides jitter-free energy and focus i usually take one or two right about like 30 minutes before i need to try hard on the project or over at the gym and it definitely hooks up that extra boost right when I need it. Man, I just love all their stuff, you guys. I think you will, too. I can't say enough good things about Fizzy Vantage. In the U.S., you can get a 15% discount by using code STRUGGLE15 at checkout. That also lets them know that you heard about them from me. And in Europe, you can find it at the Banana Fingers and Epic TV online shops. Check out those links in your notes and get to it. All right, now let's learn from the best how we can learn from the best with... Magnus Mippo and Till Gross. 
I'm excited to have this conversation. I appreciate you reaching out, Magnus, initially after we first uh, connected for the show to want to do a new episode here, a new conversation around this idea of learning from pros, learning from coaches, growing as athletes, and how we can get better as climbers, which is for the climbing community, tends to be a pretty important thing. So this conversation here will be uh, pretty wide ranging, and it's going to focus a lot at just generally how can we all get better at climbing, get better at doing the sport that we love, and as a result, probably get more enjoyment out of doing this sport that we love, since most of us listening right now are not paying the bills as professional climbers, but we do it because it fills our hearts up and it brings a lot of excitement and purpose to our lives. So um, that's going to be the gateway that we enter this conversation. So Magnus, let me hand it off to you. Um, if you want, you could give like a quick overview of this new venture and mm -hmm. the idea behind it. And obviously by way of doing that, you could introduce Till and then we'll dive in. Yeah, no, so as a lot of you know, I. I released a course called Boulder Blueprint, and that's how I met Till. He approached me a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago now. And he's been working with a lot of other big YouTubers making online courses for ages. And I've been very hesitant. I'm like I've been approached by other people uh, who wanted to do similar stuff, but I never felt like it was right. But after talking to Till, I felt like it clicked and then it clicked even more when we actually started working on the course and we decided to turn this into more than just a standalone course, but to make a bigger platform. So that's how Altitude was created. And yeah, now, I mean, it's uh, very early on, but we've already spoken to a lot of big names in climbing and it's been super exciting. Till and I went to Switzerland for the world championships. And we spoke to like the best, like some of the biggest names. And yeah, we did a lot of hiking on our trip to <laughs> Switzerland. We refused to take the taxi, uh, take the taxi or a bus. So we were hiking everywhere, walking everywhere. And uh, yeah, that's how I met Till. And now we're starting this new venture together that I am really excited about. Till, let me bring you into the conversation here. Tell me a little bit about your background and yeah, how it came about for, for you approaching Magnus and kicking off Altitude. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Germany and then I moved to America in 2016. And then I co-founded an online course publishing house. And then over the last, I think it was seven, eight years now, we work with some of the biggest YouTubers and creators and also experts and authors in various different fields. And then I actually stepped outside of the company in 2020. And then someone from inside the company took the company over and kept on running it. But then I was a very passionate climber and then Magnus kept on getting bigger and bigger. And I thought it would be great to do something in the climbing world. And, and then, yeah, I reached out to him and then uh, we started meeting and then we really nicely got along. And that's how all of this came about. Climbing is a big thing, right? Some people are into bouldering. Some people are into trad climbing. Some people are just, you know, bought their new pair of shoes last week. And some have been climbing for 20 years and are trying to break through a plateau. So it's a really a huge landscape. And I'm wondering if there's a certain area of focus that, that you all are jumping into here, or if you feel there's gonna be appeal on the platform just in different ways? I, I think it's very much led by the individual instructors. So every single time we sit down with an instructor, we always ask them, like, what would you be excited to teach? And this is like a the kind of big guiding principle that we have, that we want those pro climbers to teach things that they're excited about. In general, and I think that might be like also like a bigger conversation we have later on, is there's, I would say there's two types of different people that we talk to, right? There's people that are just elite climbers and they're iconic and they're the best of the world, right? which does not necessarily mean they're necessarily good instructors, right? 
And this is where we lend our support and we help them. And some of those courses, they don't need to be the best from a technical teaching standpoint, right? Like there's, you know, when you have, when you're really good at something, you have this unconscious competence, right? In order to teach something, be a very good instructor, you need this conscious competence, right? In order to like make us from unconscious to conscious, it's part of the process that we help them with. So I would say th those are like the purely iconic climbers. And then some of the other people are also people that, yes, they're iconic climbers and they're incredibly good at what they do, but they've also been coaching and teaching for like a decade or more, right? Dave McLeod, for example, Hazel Finley, right? They're good examples. They're, you know, incredibly climber, incredible climbers, yet at the same time, they've also been teaching for like well over a decade, right? So those courses are then a lot more technical, they're a lot more specific, they have a clear start point, clear end point, where really the focus or the emphasis is on the learning and, you know, for the people that watch the course, the getting better part. Well, the other course that might be a bit more inspirational. And then we also combine coaches and yeah. climbers. So we have like Alex Magos, who does a course with Patrick, who is his uh, longtime coach, Cafe Craft, like really good coach. So that is a course that I'm really excited for. And that's what we're doing moving forward now. We try to team up like really good coaches with exceptional climbers, you know, because sometimes it's hard to get those climbers to to teach in the best way. Like the coaches are obviously better at coaching, but the climbers have more experience. So combining that I think is very powerful. Yeah. And also a lot of people would ask like, why don't you put this stuff out on YouTube instead? But I think there are many reasons why like on YouTube, uh, like I really enjoyed putting out tutorials and I used to do that in the beginning. But as my channel has grown, there's not really room for tutorials on YouTube, and especially not in the same way as on a platform where you have different modules, the pacing in the videos is just so different. There's a lot of things happening in between the cuts. Like on YouTube, everything has to be like super fast paced and it also has to be more clickbait. So you have to trick the audience into clicking the video instead of like on a platform like this, you can be a lot more authentic. So I think that is like the biggest reason why we're not putting this out on YouTube or another platform. And also a lot of this stuff is in written, like it's in text, you know, it's like building modules. So, and there's a, like a social thing, like a community thing as well, aspect to all of this. And that, that community that we're trying to build that we feel like is really important with Altitude, it's just going to get stronger and stronger, the more courses and the bigger this gets, you know. And you mentioned a, a few names I've, I've picked out from the conversation here. Till mentioned mm -hmm. Dave McLeod and Hazel Finlay. Magnus, you just mentioned uh, Alex Magos and yeah. Patrick, his coach, longtime Patrick and Dickie are, you know, his longtime coaches and quite famous in their own right. Who else did you hunt down in Switzerland? <laughs> I, I want to know, have you wrapped into this thing? Yeah, we're talking to basically everyone right now. We've reached out to a bunch of people. And like, I, I was afraid in the beginning that people would be negative towards a project like this, but everyone so far has been so positive. And I feel like a lot of the people we talked to have like, because we, that's what Till said, we asked them, what do you want to teach? And so far, it seems like everyone has had some sort of thing that they're really passionate about and they want to teach. And that is the important thing for us. We don't want to just like have someone teach something they're not excited about. We want it to be uh, genuine, you know. Dave McLeod is probably like an outlier in this regard. He came back with an entire like written outline of like a six module course. But even someone like Adam or, or Daniel Woods, like they spend so much time actually working on this course and like putting the time, the same like passion and intensity that goes towards the climbing, they're also putting into this, right? There was one time, Catherine, she, these are our productions, and she would have regular calls with Adam to talk to him and what should go into the course. 
And like one day, I had a call with Catherine. She told me she was just on the phone with Ed Monroe for six hours and just one oh single God. day. And like that's the type of effort and care and yeah. attention that goes into it. Adam loves talking about climbing. And also they, they love sharing it, right? And I think there's, there's this is cool. I'm not sure if it's on Stefano's uh, channel or Adam's, where, where Adam helped when, when Stefano was trying to do silence. And mm, like Adam right. let him use his barn, like the, the spray wheel that he had set up in his barn, right? And like he like walks with him through the cruxes and so on. Right, I think there's something special about this, right? Where other climbers want to share what they know and try to help others get better, and and this definitely comes through in, in in those courses, at least what we've experienced so far. So yeah, let me peel back a little bit on this because we just are, are talking about the absolute biggest names in rock climbing: Adam Andra, Alex Magos, Hazel Finlay, Dave McLeod, Daniel Woods. I mean, you know, these are people who operate at a much higher level than I do, right? I'm a V5 boulderer, right? And so if I'm gonna be taking a course here, and Magnus, you have done some courses, right? On, on mm -hmm. your YouTube and, and you've certainly worked with and learned yourself from a lot of the people that you've collaborated with. What are some of the challenges, maybe some of the pros and cons when it comes to working with somebody who's you know kind of in a different stratosphere? Adam Andra and trying to then take concepts to make them applicable to somebody like myself or maybe even somebody who's newer to the sport than me. I think our goal is to like look for different people that can teach specific things to certain parts of the audience, right? Like Daniel Woods, for example, is a lead boulderer and he's excited to teach something for very advanced boulderers, right? Then let him do this, right? And then he can shine in this way. Someone like Dave McLeod, he's actually experienced in teaching beginners and intermediates, right? So he's perfectly situated to then teach this. And I don't think that every course has to appeal to everyone, right? And and each course can be targeted to like specific people, right? Yeah, because naturally, like, <clears throat> we need to sell courses for this work, you know? But so it, you think that it makes sense for us to find a course that, oh, this is a course that a lot of people take. This is for masses. But at the same time, it's like, tells us it's very important to like within, within more like niche things and also for people to actually teach what they're excited about, you know, having Adam Andra show people how to tie the eight knot, he would not be excited about that. And people don't have to learn it from him either, you know? So, so yeah, that is important for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to hear that some of these courses will just be geared to maybe a certain skill level or someone with a certain amount of experience in addition to like a passion and area of focus. If you're into bouldering, you'd probably be into Daniel Woods, maybe less so into a Hazel Finlay, although she does boulder and quite well, but her focus is going to be more on, I'm assuming, mental game because that's what she's done with Strong Mind and built mm -hmm. up uh, quite the reputation as well as the education to back it up. So then how does the model of the course work? It's just per course, uh, because climbing is very, there's so many different types of climbing that it doesn't make sense to buy a subscription for, or in the beginning, it doesn't make sense maybe to have like ice climbing if you're doing ball drain, you know? So you can definitely buy a standalone thing, but eventually we also thinking about having a subscription for people who are dedicated to more things, you know? We think that also makes sense eventually, but we have to build up the catalog of courses before we announce that. So can you give me like a little sense for maybe just a, an outline or an overview? Let's maybe compare and contrast. So we've got Hazel Finlay and we've got Adam Andra. Mm -hmm. How will those courses be structured and maybe, you know, how are they similar and, and how would they be different? Aside from the content, of course. Yeah, I can. So Hazel has obviously done this many times before with Strongmind. So she's 
very aware of how this works and she takes more control. Um, she does most of the stuff herself while Adam works closely with our team to make the best course possible. And also with a coach who makes sure that everything is done, uh, in the right way and everything that he says is correct and so on. So. Yeah, Hazel's course will be very different, but I think th there will definitely be a kind of a red line though in how our courses are made with different modules and everything. And that is something that Till has from, I mean, so much experience on how to best teach something. And that is the main thing throughout the Altitude website that all the courses are like, they're made in a way that is like, yeah, the best way for people to, to teach stuff. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that, Till, if you could peel back on that a little bit, because I think whether it's through Altitude or Hazel's course or the videos that Dave McLeod puts up yeah. on his YouTube channel and these kinds of things, there's a lot of resources out there for climbers. It's a great time to be someone who's psyched on the sport because you can find a lot of resources, but we don't all learn the same way. And certainly there are better ways to absorb information than, you know, than not, right? And it sounds like through your experience, you've cracked a bit of a formula to help people absorb information in a way that's going to be applicable and maybe not overwhelming and, and this kind of thing. So what is that? Or, or again, you can take a look at like Adam's course or Hazel's course or just something that you've done in the past yeah. where what's my user experience going to be like so that I'm learning and I'm able to apply this stuff rather than just like being entertained by it. Yeah. And as Magnus said, there's a difference between a course like Adam's, right, and a course like Hazel's. But to use Hazel's course as an example, there's two core principles. Number one is teach to the problem. So for something like Hazel's course, and she's going to teach a course on fear of falling, we very much study the audience, right? And study like who, who would actually take this course and then we talk to them on the phone, we send out surveys and a number at this point of time, tens of thousands of people have responded to some of our surveys that we send out. And we really try to understand, okay, who is this person that we're creating this course for? Who are the different types of archetypes of people that we're creating this course for? And what are the things they struggle with? Where at in their journey? And then we create a course that really starts at the point where they, their problems begin and then takes them to the point that they want to go, right? So the teaching to the problem part is one big part. The second thing is finishability. And yes, there's tons of stuff nowadays online and there's you know more and more climbing videos being uploaded every day and the, and the quality of the content also is constantly rising. But I think the unique, thing, the unique thing you can do with online course is having something that's actually finishable. So where you have a clear start point, a clear end point. And there's Tom Standage, he was the deputy editor of The Economist. And The Economist had this format called the Espresso. And it was like every single day they would send it out. And it's basically like the news within five minutes of the day. And there were no links inside of this espresso format. And they said, we clicked in all the links for you so that you don't have to, and we put all the most important things in here. And I think this is the big promise of an online course. You know, you're never gonna get to the end of a, your, your YouTube feed or something like this, right? And this is what the kind of like the promise of a course is. They're like, we gathered all the most important things or Dave McLeod or Hazel, they decide, okay, what are all the most important things that you need to learn to go from here to there? And we all put it into one format that is structured, that is clear, and we're not going to give you too much, right? And that's the reason why also initially we're not going to have any subscription or something like this, but just exactly the things that you need to go from here to there. This is what we call them like the problem courses, right? It was a clear problem and we are addressing this. Adam's course is slightly different because it's more focused also on what someone like Adam's excited to teach, right? And those courses might be, they're still finishable, right? But they're less taught to the problem. They're more also like, what is this pro climber? excited about teaching. And, and they can be a lot more inspirational, right? They can be like a little bit easier to watch, right? 
But I personally, I'm excited about those courses and I want to see this from like an Adam Andre or a Chris Sharma and so on. Like I would love to see those courses and see them just get me excited about something new that maybe haven't done yet. So Magnus, let's say I, I'm, you know, I'm watching my Adam Andre course and mm. he's talking about drop knees or something like that because yeah. he's very good at drop knees and I'm terrible at them. Then is yeah. there, you know, is there some homework? Do I need to go and, you know, to the gym and try certain things? How do I go from watching to then applying. We do have a lot of things that you can do on your own. Like we have a different sessions, workouts that you can do. And also the community tab is a little bit similar to YouTube, but it's full of people who are like very interested to learn. And also like what I did for my course was that I did a Q and A where I answered a lot of the questions, the, the most common questions I asked. So I did a Q and A that was released after the course was released based on uh, some of the questions that people had. So will there be an opportunity to engage in some way with these superstar athlete instructors? Can I give Adam, Adam Andre a ring and say, hey, man, I'm trying my 512. I, I need your help. Um, so, so one thing we have in all the courses is, is volunteer sessions, right? So, so before, you know, as I said before, right, we have certain people that the course is for. And then we put out the call for those people to sign up. And then those people actually come into the gym or in Abbas case outside as well. And then actually those different instructors teach those people on camera for the course. And in the ideal scenarios that you have someone like one of the volunteers in the course, you can very much relate to that person based on, like, I'm pretty tall, I'm 6'4", right? Maybe that person's also very tall, right? And then certain things I struggle with, you know, I can see a person that is a similar body type or similar levels of strength and similar amount of climbing experience. And I can see how this person works. Also, like, we haven't figured everything out yet, right? Like, our goal is very much to, like, learn and collect feedback and hear from people what works. And there's a lot of different things that we're attempting and trying and a lot of things that I've learned from, you know, other fields where we've done courses, right? And for example, one thing we're starting right now is uh, I think the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually start creating local communities where people can meet up in person. This is free. We're just facilitating it, right? Where people can meet up together in person because what I was with my climbing friends, they don't care that much about actually training and actually getting better, right? They often just like to climb and have fun, right? But I like to get better. So finding other people that are on a similar path, that are taking a similar course or taking the same course, um, this is one thing we're doing. Yeah, that, that community aspect there is pretty cool, especially if you don't have a lot of people that you climb with or if you're training in a place where there isn't like a big climbing community. But but with regard to the coaching aspect specifically, so if we're going to take this course, we're, we're taking it because we want to get better. And maybe we have access to a coach that we could work with in person. Now that coach isn't going to be Dave McLeod, most likely, but it could be somebody who's, you know, a decent climber or, or somebody who's got a little bit of an experience uh, as a coach versus, you know, maybe compare that to then getting instruction from some of the best in the world, but it's not in person. I think in general, I think we can always make this argument that having a coach in person is always better than having an online course, for sure. But one of my old coaches, he often said that no training is better than bad training. So there's also something. And then, you know, if you extend this and you can say, well, having perfect instructions for someone, even though that person is not there in person, might still be better than having someone that might not be as good of a coach or having no training at all. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to peel back kind of this, you know, this aspect of coaching for a second here. I haven't had the opportunity to work in person with coaches. I have worked with some of the folks over at Lattice. And, and Coach Eric Hurst, who's here, and he's come out and, and climbed with me a little bit, but we haven't been like spending sessions together and this kind of thing. So a lot of what 
I do to try to improve as a climber is, you know, some trial and error. I'll learn a new concept by maybe seeing a friend do it or a, a pro, or I'll have a guest on the podcast who will talk about a certain way to train and then I'll get psyched and I'll go out and do it. And then typically the, the next shiny object appears and I'll go towards that for a while. And then a new shiny object will appear and I'll flutter towards that for a while. So I think this aspect, the structured aspect of a course is appealing to me in that there's a little bit of a roadmap there to keep me on track and keep me going. And I'm curious how that plays into how you're rolling out this course. Are you starting with 10 courses and you pick and choose which one you want to do, or are you rolling out one course at a time? And then, you know, when it fills up, it's gone. Yeah. We're launching one course at a time. So the next course is going to be Adam's course that's going to launch in February. And then it's open for just a few days and then we close the window Then we work on the course, optimize it, make a few differences. And then we relaunch it a little, little bit after that. So, and yeah, so I think you can expect a new course every, what would you say till <clears throat> after Adam's course? Yeah. Like six, six to six, to seven weeks, probably. Yeah. And if you paid for the course, you have lifetime access to the course. So it will uh, always be available to you. And, and then as we talked about earlier, we might introduce subscriptions eventually, if that makes sense as well for people who do like everything in climbing or do a lot of different climbing, bouldering, lead climbing, and we're not so specific. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm interested to hear what the vision is. So we're launching in February with Adam Andre's course. And that's a heck of a, a course to launch with. You've already named a handful of other, uh, the most accomplished and well-known climbers in the game today. If you're looking forward from that, if you're looking towards through 2024 into 2025, how does Altitude continue to support the community? How does it keep up with new techniques and the new climbers that are coming up and all of this? Like, what's the dream, do you think? I mean, our dream are like big dream is to be more than just a course platform. You know, we want to do a lot of stuff. We want to have like retreats with famous climbers. We want to do uh, courses for root setters, for gym owners. We want to connect gyms to make the gyms better. In general, we want to help build climbing. That's our main goal. And we even thought about making gyms ourselves, uh, putting up a gym, uh, like maybe a gym that where all the courses can be held and stuff. I mean, to get there, I think we also need to collaborate with a lot of other talented people in the climbing industry. I think that is the key. We don't really see anyone as competition. I mean, not because we're not great or anything, but just because we want to collaborate with people. We want to co collaborate with different companies and even people who do the same stuff as, as we do in Switzerland, when we were there, had meetings with people who, yeah, other people might consider competition. But just to learn and talk about what we're doing and just, yeah, keep, I think that is the best way for this to grow. And also to, for this to be as, as good as possible. I think it's important that we don't see other people as competition, but rather try to learn from them and collaborate with them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even yeah. some of the athletes that you have in your course on this platform have their own courses, right? Yeah. We talked about Hazel. She's got yeah. strong mind. Adam Andra, not too long ago, has launched a, like a membership aspect to his YouTube where he's doing some climbing instruction and this kind of thing. So that, that's, that is interesting that you bring that up because it might seem at a glance that there is competition there, but it sounds like these athletes are 
willing and interested to to work with you all to put out coursework to reach do they feel it's going to be a different audience or does does everybody just benefit from there being more content out there i think that it's going to be a different audience and also what what we tell them is that if you do like we want you to do a course on our uh, site then we will make that course as we want to like we have our kind of way of making courses so it will definitely be different from how they make the course anyways and we will even, I mean, in addition to paying them, we will also get people over to their platform. So we're trying to help people. And that's why people have said yes, because we're not, we don't want them to see us as competition, but more like a way to help build their community and yeah, for them to be able to do more courses on their website, you know. Well, now that you've kind of worn hats on both sides, Magnus, having mm -hmm. been the instructor with Bouldering Blueprint, as well as some of the videos that you've done, but also having received coaching throughout yeah. your years, you have a unique perspective. And I'm curious what insights you've gained when it comes to a climber like myself or those who mm -hmm. are listening right now to get the most out of something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like, like Till said, it's better uh, with no training than bad training. And it's a little bit like that with coaches as well. I feel like it's better with no coach than a bad coach. And the good coaches are hard to come by. It's the same with route setting too. I mean, I'm running gyms and the almost the hardest part these days is to find a good route setter because there's so many gyms opening that there's not enough good route setters. And it's a little bit like that with climbing coaches as well. So this kind of make now we're making the world's best climbing coaches accessible for everyone. You know, people like Patrick, who coached so many of the world's best, he's now available to everyone. So I think that is the main thing. I, I don't consider myself the best coach in the world, but I do know when I, I do know when I see a good coach. And yeah, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to find the best coaches and also the, the most iconic climbers. What do you think, in your estimation, what makes a bad coach bad and what makes a good coach good <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like talking about <laughs> bad coaches or like talking down people but i think we don't need specifics no i think it, it comes down to experience really you need to have worked with a lot of different clients in the past and to see what works and what doesn't work so i think a lot of experience even though some of these guys have mainly coached uh, climbers at a very high level i think they're able to adapt that coaching also at a lower level I think a lot of people can learn a lot from how the professionals operate. Till, you've worked with people across various kind of industries now, right? When you put together these kinds of programs, what is it that kind of, what's that secret sauce? What do you think is going to make Altitude a success as you're going through this learning process over the next few months? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. I think number one is the instructors themselves, right? And I also don't think that every instructor is the right instructor for every person, right? Like everyone has their own like flavor that they like and type of way of teaching and so on, right? And, and that's the reason why we're also probably going to have different people that might teach very similar things, right? And, and that's intentional because you want to have different angles and a different type of person that, that, that is teaching something. Um, and I think the other thing is what Magnus said, like the reason why we're doing this, we want to like overall help build climbing and lift up the sport, right? And, and that's our big goal. And, Maybe it's going to take us a year to figure out how to do really great courses. And maybe the first courses right out of the gate is going to be the best courses that the world's ever seen, right? And maybe it's going to take us some time like, to get better and better at this, right? But I think we're just really dedicated towards this. And I think when you have that as a baseline motivation, and 
over time we'll figure it out and we have like a wonderful team and the people that are part of the team just in many ways very impressive and that's probably one of the big surprises potentially I had that the amount of people that reached out to us and want to get involved that are at the top of the game in other fields and they're so passionate about climbing and they would gladly leave their job or even their own companies behind to come on board and help with this like this is what gets me really excited and you know everyone is driven by that goal to like help make a dent in the climbing world and with that motivation I think over the long term right I think we'll figure it out and we're also like very open to feedback and listening to people I think all those things combined that hopefully is going to allow us to be successful well I'm psyched I think it's a really cool opportunity again for somebody like myself that lives in Louisville Kentucky where you know, we got some small kind of dumpy gyms, but it's not like the epicenter of climbing. Well, Alex Nagos is there right now, right? Well, Alex is yeah. here right now. And believe me, I've been trying to get him to coach me on my project. And he says I can't afford him. So that's a good good segue <laughs> to, to speak to affordability. Because yeah. even if I were in an area, Salt Lake City or, you know, whatever, where there's loads of good coaches, it can be pretty expensive to meet with a coach every week and this kind of thing. So do you have a sense or can you share an idea of what, the pricing model is going to be like? Yeah, like with our goal also to make those co uh, coaches or climbers accessible to people, there's always a question of price, right? But I think we're going to always have, there's a number of things that we think about how we can think, make things more accessible, right? When it comes to scholarships and, and those type of things. So that's always one thing that we definitely have in mind. But yeah, I think the course is going to be cost different amounts of money. $99 is a magnus course and then we'll see what the others cost. But we're not fully locked in yet and fully decided. Where also, I mean, the production here is really high. The production quality is really high. So we're spending a lot of money on that as well. So, um, yeah, we definitely want to make sure that this is like high end when it comes to just everything, you know, from how it's filmed and planned to how it's edited. And clearly you're taking a big swing, right? I mean, you're investing in the tech, in the back end, in the development of the courses, in paying these athletes and these coaches, you're building out something here that it hasn't yet been totally proven and yeah. it's essentially predicated on the fact that climbers are a fairly driven group of people to want to seek this continuous progression mm -hmm. and we'll spend hours trying to figure out how to train our pinky finger a little bit better because <laughs> it might help us on the next project four months down the way and i'm curious this is just more of a philosophical question for you. Magnus, you've been in this game for a long time. What is it about climbers? What is it about us that that makes us so damn driven to try to get better? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what is unique about it. It's a hard question, but I think it's just like project-based, you know? It's like like you, you're talking about your projects and we all have different projects that we try to accomplish and it's really important for us, even though it doesn't mean anything to anyone else really, to at least for most people, unless you're like Adam Andro. But it just means so much to ourselves to, to and i think that's the main thing you know in in other sports you of course you have benchmarks and stuff like you can lift higher weight or something there's something about like having climbed a piece of rock that you know is always going to be there so i i think yeah the sense of accomplishment is higher in climbing than in other sports and not only for because even on a lower level it's sort of like a competition, you know, and you go out to the crack and you want to do a harder grade and you want to get further up your project and you don't get that in a lot of other sports. So even though climbers probably like to think of it as like not so competitive, it's very like chill and stuff. I feel like it's pretty 
pretty hardcore. And it's the same thing as like, it's not in many other sports that you get nervous before attempting something. But climbers, even on a lower level, like they feel the nerves, not because they're afraid of dying, but they want to perform, you know, they want to get to the top of the project and they get performance anxiety, you know? So it's, I think that's pretty unique to climbing. Not a lot of sports have that. I can't think of any sports, maybe like surfing or something. You want to catch that big wave. Not that I know much about surfing, but so I think that's very unique about climbing and that's probably why. A lot of pe- a lot of climbers care so much at all levels. Are you still continuing to try to get better, Magnus? Are you going to be taking some of these courses? I am very much looking forward to the next courses. I'm going to take all of them, uh, like the one with uh, Alex Magos and Patrick. That's going to be perfect for me. And the same with Adam's course, even though I don't do that much lead climbing these days, I think that is going to be a very good course. I currently, I'm, I feel like I'm doing more maintenance. Um, because it is very hard when you've been on a high level. Uh, it requires so much training just to and maintain that level. So right now that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to maintain more, but I hope there comes a day that I can start to push again and try to become better. Like, I think it'd be cool to do like a 9A when I'm 50 or something, or like to be the first person in the world to do a 8C bowler when I'm 50. I don't know if I would do the first actually, but. Uh, I think something like that would be cool, you know? So I'm sort of like right now, I have a lot of ventures and stuff, uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, There's not that much time to focus on climbing anymore, but I hope eventually that things are going to cool off and that I have more time to to train again and to focus just on climbing and yeah, maybe set some records when it comes to age and numbers, you know? I'm you got a little while until you're I'm 35 now, so I could for, 40 in five years. I don't know. There's probably, yeah, there's plenty of people haven't done 8C at 40, but maybe not at 50. You'll just have to keep track of Chris Sharma. He's only eight years out from 50. Oh, yet. shit. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you yeah. might have to set your goals a little bit higher depending yeah, yeah, on yeah. when he ticks off in the next eight years. Well, yeah, I'm curious, you know, as you look back at your how you've received instruction, and mm-hmm. just how you've grown as a climber. Is there a certain thing that stands out that was pretty groundbreaking for you? Was there a technique or a training application or a strength thing? You know, can you pinpoint, you yeah. know, one or two things? Yeah. So the thing for me, I grew up climbing in Bergen, which is this pretty small city in like the world standard, uh, I guess, 250,000 people. And I remember when I started climbing, I got a lot of bad advice because I started climbing. When I started climbing, you were supposed you're supposed to climb really slow, static. Everything was supposed to be in control. You're supposed to do a lot of like drop knees and stuff. And me being more powerful, I like to just cut my feet and stuff. Like I was watching Chris Sharma on video and I wanted to climb more like that. And whenever I climbed like that, all the grumpy climbers in my gym would tell me I was climbing wrong, you know? But I knew that because it worked for Chris Sharma. It, I mean, it must work. You know, he's the best climber in the world. He climbs like that. Why shouldn't I try to climb like that? So for me, in the beginning, it was really important to, if, because if I had listened to that and tried to climb slow and static, how people climbed back then, I would not climb like, like people now are climbing. Everyone is climbing like Chris Sharma. You know, he was basically the first climber who climbed like that. And then everyone adapted that style. 
So I'm just really glad I didn't listen to all that bad advice I got in the beginning of climbing really slow and static. Like I am more explosive, I'm more powerful, I need to climb faster. Uh, I need to take advantage of that power that I naturally have. So that is definitely for me, like I knew that if I wanted to become better, I had to listen to people who actually knew what they were talking about. So I, I pretty, when I was like 13, 14, I realized that, okay, the best place to train is Innsbruck. So I went to Innsbruck and I trained with the best people there. It took me a while because like to be able to train with the best, you also have to be among the best. So I had to first get to the point where I was like winning youth competitions, like the European youth cups and stuff. And then I got like a pass to train with the best youth climbers in Innsbruck. And that's when I realized that everything that the people had been telling me at the gym was wrong, you know, about climbing slow and static. And it's the same thing. A lot of people at my gym would also tell me that uh, you shouldn't try too hard. Like you should, instead of trying a route that is like really hard for you, you should try, you should do more volume at a lower level. And I kind of listened to that for a little while, but then as soon as I got to Innsbruck and I started climbing with the best people, like David Lama and Jörg Verhoeven, Killian Fischerber, all those guys were the best in the world back then. I realized that everyone in my gym, they were just completely wrong about everything. You know, those guys, they try harder than anyone that they didn't do much volume really. So yeah, I think it's just really important to, to listen to the right people. And I think, um, we'll have the right people in altitude for sure. Yeah. What a great way to, to tee up this course. I, I wish you guys good luck as you're putting it all together. I'm curious if it's hard to give direction to the best climbers in the world. Can you say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, Alex Magos. I, I don't think that's the right way to say that. Are you giving him uh, line reads? Are you going to, you going to tell Adam Andra how to, how to communicate a drop knee? No, I don't, I don't think so. Not, I mean, no, we definitely want them to have creative freedom when it comes to that stuff. We might try to help them explain it in a better way or to structure the course in a better way and stuff like that. But when it comes to what's in it, they're pretty free to choose what they want. And yeah, we don't want to dictate what's, what they, their course is about. It's their course and we want them to be excited about it. Till, where can people learn more about this between now and when you launch in February? Um, yeah, just on altitudeclimbing.com. This is a good place. And then also, yeah, we just launched our social media accounts, like our Instagram account. And I think we also kind of have a YouTube channel, which hopefully the first video might go live in January or so before Adam's launch. Yeah. And then also we have the team. The Most people from the team have access to our Instagram account. So the idea is that in the same way how, you know, we're doing this interview right now before even anything is really out there and before we haven't launched and so on, we just want to be pretty open and build this whole thing in public and, and take as many people along for the ride as possible. So yeah, I think on the Instagram account also, we're going to have the shoot with Adam, I think in two weeks time or 10 days time. So also the team's going to post while they're there and so on. So I think that's good points to check out what we're doing. And Magnus, are you going to be teaching a course down the way? Uh, yeah. I mean, my course is also going to be moved to altitude. So it's also going to be part of the, yeah, bowling blueprint is going to be part of altitude. And then, yeah, I might do more courses in the future. And also the plan is to do hopefully more courses with the people we're already working with. So maybe have Adam teach another course and potentially also have him teach a course with someone else famous. Maybe, yeah, he can teach a course with Chris Sharma or someone. 
like Dave McRod was really he wanted he had some people he wanted to teach with like I he don't was know very excited about Lynn Hill's footwork yeah yeah he's very excited about Lynn Hill's footwork yeah Lynn Hill is not someone we've talked to yet really I mean we reached out to her and stuff but but yeah things like that connecting climbers we think will be a good match to create even better courses in the future I think that'd be great Oh man, I love that. Yeah, nobody's got better footwork than Lynn Hill. She's the greatest of all time. And I had the pleasure of having her on the show and we keep in touch. So, you know, if you want me to make a connection, I'll, I'll yeah. trade you one Lynn Hill for one Adam Andre. <laughs> uh, what, what, what would be some courses or people you'd be excited learning from? Because now you know, you've spoken to so many right now, so behind the scenes, like we know, you, you know a lot of them. Like, what is the course you'd be excited about? Yeah, I mean, you're, well, you're off to a great start because for me, I think the biggest thing that was holding me back, especially when I moved to the Red River Gorge, was a fear of falling. And I think having Hazel aboard as this kind of part of this first crop, I think that's, if you read Dave McLeod's book, Nine Out of Ten Climbers, one of the main points he makes in that is he talks about finger strength and training and all this for chapters and chapters. And then he gets to a chapter saying, but you know, what's really holding you back is your fear. And so I think tackling fear, whether it's fear of falling or fear of failure, are a couple really big topics for climbers like myself that don't get outside often on high boulders or on ropes. And so when we do, that tends to hold us back. So I'm really excited about that. For me, you know, what's holding me back, I think the most, now that I've addressed my fear, is something that, that you know, came naturally to you, Magnus, and that's this dynamic style of climbing. And I, I mm. tend to be pretty slow. I tend to be pretty static. Um, I'm very bad on the moon board. And so I, I would benefit from some coursework along those lines. Yeah, yeah, it's just different muscle fibers, you know. Some people have slow and some people have fast twitch muscle fibers. And then very rarely you see people who have both, who can like build endurance naturally and also have very explosive power. But um, yeah, you'll, you'll get there though. With the right training and enough training, everyone can learn that stuff, so. Well, yeah, I think Alex Magos is probably a good one for me to watch uh, with that regard. The dude's like a rubber band, the way he bounces around on the kilter board, uh, which I just was able to actually do a session with him on. And I, I got a video coming out of that um, pretty soon here. But he can also just like hang on for days. Chris Sharma, too, another one, just so strong, but can hang on. So good stuff for me to uh, look out for in your course as it goes forward. Congratulations, you guys. I'm building that. I'm really psyched to see where it goes. And we got a little bit of time here. So I want to take the, the kind of idea of this conversation here, which is learning from videos and uh, direct it a little bit back your way here, Magnus. You've worked with some of the absolute biggest names in the world uh, with regard to climbing, but also strength training, military, uh, gymnastics, all of these things. And I'm curious, having now done all of these videos, what stands out? Is there one or two? that stand out with regard to maybe you learned the most or, or just like kind of were the most memorable? Well, I mean, the most memorable, uh, memorable experience is probably Alex Honnold, uh, free, free solo with him. I mean, that's uh, probably the one I'm going to remember for the longest. But when it comes to athletes and stuff, I Anton, who's a Ninja Warrior athlete, is one of the most skilled people I've met, I think. He is so good and also how fast he picked up climbing from basically the first time I saw him, he had rental shoes and was climbing like B7, B8 and probably never really climbed before. He's such a talented guy you know, when it comes to a lot of stuff. He, he's one of the people that I was like really blown away by how 
yeah, just how good it was at everything. And he has like a normal job and everything. And he told me about like how he came over from Russia. And he said like, he's had quite the journey. He's never really talked about that on YouTube, but he, he's experienced some stuff. So he's one of the people who really stood out to me and who I've kept in contact with and I consider a really good friend. And well, why is it like, I'm so fascinated by, by people like him because those, those videos are like mm -hmm. mind blowing. Like, what, what do you think is it that allows him to, to adapt so quickly to these things that, you know, typically for climbers who would say, oh, it'll take years to develop the tendon strength and the muscle yeah. strength and that kind of thing to do it. You know, how can somebody like that ad adapt at almost like a, hu a superhuman pace, do you think? I think it's, uh, it has a lot, a lot to do with his background. He's done a lot of similar stuff in the past. So, I mean, he comes from like doing OCRs, so obstacle course uh, racing, Ninja Warrior stuff. But I've never seen anyone pick up climbing as, as uh, quickly as he has. Uh, and I remember, because I met him before he started YouTube even. And I was thinking that because he started YouTube... We started together and then he got a channel and stuff. And I was like, oh, this stuff is going to blow up like crazy. But for some reason, he's still like, I mean, he has a huge YouTube channel, but I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves really. Because a lot of the stuff that he does is crazy. Like doing backflips from 10 meters, just landing on a little mattress. Like he's, he's like super, he's just not afraid. I think that's the main thing. He's not afraid of making a fool out of himself. I think that's really important. You know, he goes into it just like he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't, yeah, I think he can put that aside. And this is a little bit the same thing with Adam Andra too. You know, that was something I, I was so fascinated by. He doesn't care about like falling on a 6 C slab in the gym. Like he will just try it and just laugh it off. You know, a lot of, I think especially pro climbers, when they go into a gym and like they feel very self-conscious and they don't want to, like they have a reputation and stuff, but. I think the people who does the best, they, they just like, they don't have much of an ego and they're not afraid to mess up. That, that is the main thing. And it's the same thing with Anton too. Like, it's like, can you do this Anton? Yeah, sure. Or I'll try it. You know, he has just this like positive attitude. And I think that is really important. So yeah, he's definitely one that I would say has surprised me the most. Yeah. I feel like you you have to possess a certain amount of that kind of positive, optimistic attitude yourself in that you continue to put yourself in the most heinous situations for some of these videos that you're yeah. putting out, wrestling with Marines in the water <laughs> and, you know, th th these yeah. kinds of like really push yourself to the limits. Do you ever get to the point where you're just like, oh, man, I just I don't think today I can go do that one. <laughs> yeah, I've had stuff like that for sure. Where I just like felt like we've had video ideas that are just like, this is either too dangerous or yeah, doesn't, I, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't know the one idea was, uh, you know, cheese rolling in uh, the UK. No, there's like a steep hill, like steep like this and they uh. roll a, a big cheese and then tons of people run after the cheese downhill and they all stumble, fall. Like people have died, they break legs and arms and they're just like, they're basically hooligans, all of them just running down these hills. And I was like, yeah, that's where I, I, I don't want to get injured. I'm not, I don't do anything for YouTube really. So that's my limits. Um, so, so just, just so I've, I've got this straight, soloing a thousand feet with Alex Honnold. Okay. Yeah. Chasing a wheel of cheese down a hill, too dangerous. 
Yes, it sounds ridiculous, but you should really see the videos of the pe- the men that chase this uh, cheese. It's uh, pretty brutal. And also like, I mean, I have climbed my whole life, so I kind of know what I'm getting into with the climbing, free soloing. I know the risk and everything, but yeah, when once I start running down that hill, I have no idea what how it's going to feel like, no idea the outcome. And there's so many factors of other people running behind you and stuff. Uh, same thing as with like, you know, the bull thing where they uh, try to out- outrun the bull and where's it? And somewhere in Spain? Barcelona. I thought it was like a little small, Pamplona, smaller right? yeah, city. Pamplona, yeah. yeah. Oh, Pamplona. Yeah. 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 And that, that sort of thing too. That's where like, yeah, I'm sure it would make for some good content, but <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just not into it. Oh man, I, I would watch the hell out of it if you did. But we yeah. need you. We need you in in good shape. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad there's like there's a limit. Yeah. There's a, a point at which you say no. I guess the question really on the cheese wheel thing is just how many pints of beer you have. That, that is true. Yeah, yeah. But it's also a very dangerous combination. Or yeah, having a lot of pints and true. stuff. But I think I was a little bit too afraid of messing up or afraid of making a fool out of myself. Like I was a little bit too self-conscious when I was a professional climber. And that is one of my re- regrets looking back that I should have been more like Adam Ondra or someone like, just don't care. People don't care if you mess up. Like it's the same thing before competitions. I was always so nervous. I think we talked about this last time, but just not caring. And I mean, it's so much easier to say than to actually do, but yeah, just to have, just not care too much, it, it would be, would have been so much better for me because I was always just getting so nervous and I felt like I had to perform and stuff. And yeah, so not to take it too seriously, I think would have been much better for me. Yeah, that's, that's sound advice, but just oftentimes, you know, it's a catch 22 because you kind of have to be older to have the perspective to then look back and say, well, uh, maybe I should have cared a little bit less, but, but something that maybe could be great for Hazel Finlay. I know I've spoken with her about fear of failure and, and how shifting to a process mindset and focusing on joy and little accomplishments and these kinds of things can help take some of that, um, I don't know, seriousness out of, out of things. So something that we can all, we can all be working on. And uh, both of you guys, thanks so much for, for joining, for talking about uh, what you're launching here with the course. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be um, a real benefit to the community for people who don't have access to great coaches and even people who do, who are just psyched and want to get pumped by working with some of the biggest names in the sport. Uh, it's really cool. So I wish you guys a lot of luck on that. And, you know, I just had one more question as well as I noticed on the website that uh, along with talking about the courses and, and the coaches and the climbers that you're working with, maybe you're hiring or filling some different positions. What, what's that all about? Yeah, so now we have a team of 20 people almost which is a pretty big wow. number. It's a lot bigger than any of the other companies that I work with. And so it's, and it's also a team of mostly climbers. We want to make sure that people kind of understand the product that they're working on. And we're even looking to hire more people. So I guess people can check out altitudeclimbing.com and see who we're trying to hire if they're interested in working with us. And we always have an open call. So whenever, like we're always looking for talent. Right. So if someone either is maybe at the beginning of their career and they're really looking for like opportunity to prove themselves, right? Or someone else, and we had a number of those people reach out to us already, they might be at the top of the game in a completely different field. And they would like to also combine this with their passion. They have a passion for climbing and they would like to leave their corporate job behind and like work with something that they actually care about. Like we're very actively looking for those people. And we had a number of people already reach out and uh, like we're really building like a very 
like a team filled with A players. So we're looking for more and more of those people. Oh my gosh, be careful. You're going to get like 30,000 applications now that you just <laughs> said that. Everybody wants to quit their job and, and focus on a career in climbing. That's great. So, and this would be anything from like camera operators to editors to tech people. Like what's what kind of team do you build? Yeah, there's, uh, I would say at the beginning, there's two main uh, parts of the business. Yes, production, right? And this includes everything from you know, editorial and working with the pro climbers and helping the outline the, the, the content and structuring the course to producing the courses themselves. Then also like, you know, everything has to do with the website and the technical side of things. And then on the other side, the marketing side, right? And this is from great video editors to good copywriters to someone who understands paid advertising. So yeah, we're always excited to hear from people. Keep an eye out for uh, an application from a podcaster <laughs> in Kentucky to see, to see what I might be able to do. And that wraps things up with Magnus and Till. Although if you support the show on Patreon, keep an eye out on your feed for a special video that I'm going to be releasing here where Magnus breaks down a crazy climb that he did with Adam Andra, only going to be available on Patreon. Now, if you all want to learn more about Magnus and Till's climbing course platform, Altitude, it sounds rad, either to sign up for a coveted spot or perhaps even to work with them, head over to altitudeclimbing.com and that's where you can get all the information. And a huge thanks and appreciation to our show sponsors who have brought you this episode at zero cost. Nice. Rungni, Fizzy Vantage, y'all are the best. Check your show notes for links and special discounts from those guys that are only available to you, the Struggle Listener. All right, y'all, that clips the anchors on this episode. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I'm working really hard here. It means the world to me that you're listening. Now, if you're a patron or subscriber, check your feeds for exclusive access to all kinds of bonus episodes from the biggest names in climbing. I'm talking about Alex Honnold, Nina Williams, Dave McLeod, Allison Vest, Chris Sharma, and Magnus Mitbo, just to name a few. And if you're not a patron, you can check it out for free right now at patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show and score instant access to more than 30 hours of pro clinics, bonus episodes, and uncut videos that I think will help you take your training and your climbing to new heights. And you know what? If you don't like it, you can just quit and you won't have to pay a penny. So how cool is that? Now, if you want even more struggle content in your life, plus a free sticker, let's go. Sign up for the Struggle Newsletter over at thestruggleclimbingshow.com. It'll only take you a second, and I only send out one or two emails a month, and they've got some cool stuff in there, like behind-the-scenes stuff with me and some of the climbers from the show, secret deals, that kind of thing. Check it out at thestruggleclimbingshow.com. Hey, did you know that The Struggle is carbon neutral in partnership with the Hollow Foundation? Well, you do now, and I'm really proud about that. They're doing amazing work to bring clean energy to communities around the world. I support them monthly. You can too, if you got a few extra bucks. And you can also just get inspired by their latest grant recipients and the projects that they're doing over at honoldfoundation.org. Toss them some love if you can. They're doing really, really cool work. And lastly, The Struggle is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective, a diverse group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. This show was produced and hosted by me, Ryan Devlin. Now, I hope your training and climate are going great. And if you're struggling like I am, well, just remember, the struggle makes us stronger. <laughs>